Welcome to Walking with Freya, a journey through special needs parenting. This podcast is a place for parents and caregivers of children with special needs to share stories, the very real struggles and challenges we face, along with the inevitable love and joy these children have brought into our lives. This is a place for unapologetic honesty, well-intentioned laughter, and endless support. A safe place for us to learn, share, discuss, and help each other navigate this often unexpected journey. Be kind, be supportive, and when you can, keep the humor. My name is Annie, and welcome to Walking with Freya. Hey everyone, welcome back to Walking with Freya. I'm coming at you from the intimacy of my closet again here for the sound quality I am going to be sharing a part of our journey again today I wanted to talk about where we are because it seems that the time has come for me to really educate myself about certain parts of Freya's disorder and how it manifests emotionally socially and behaviorally and that's not to say that I haven't been learning about it or know about it. I mean, I've been reading Facebook posts and these pamphlet style articles on what it, on what's to be expected. But perhaps I've been living in a little bit of denial or maybe denial is not the right word, but, but just, you know, this space of allowing ourselves to just enjoy this time of ambiguity, maybe. And things are starting to come up. Um, that's, We're definitely not in the full swing of the potential issues that are that PWS is capable of. But, you know, we're at a time of needing to know and understand more about how Freya's brain works and how that manifests so that we can help her navigate certain situations and so that we ourselves are better able to handle these issues that are coming up. So just to be clear, this is my second recording of this episode. The first one, I haven't totally deleted it yet, but I will. As with some of the other episodes that I've told where I tell a bit of our own journey, this first recording was a uh, like a relieving of some pressure. And hopefully the second one will be more coherent, um, you know, a more coherent discussion albeit one-sided, of of our experience. So when I recorded the first one, I was honestly feeling pretty heavy-hearted. You know, I kind of just woke up in this state. We had been at a music festival, and we had had a great time, but a lot of these issues had come up, and so I was just feeling a little heavy-hearted. And I had an internal... I'm not even sure if that's like a phrase people use, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I... So I had this internal battle of whether or not I should be sharing this part or even recording when I was, you know, not feeling very positive because I do try and stay positive. I mean, I genuinely feel positive about most things, but, um, you know, I think also that it's a disservice to not only my own journey, but to others as well. It's a disservice to not talk about the days when we wake up feeling overwhelmed, 
or disheartened or scared about the future or how we are going to be able to cope with all of the things that come up. These days that we wake up and realize that we have not necessarily stepped up to parenting the way that we should be or the ways that we need to be. The days that we think, damn, (laughs) I am not keeping up. I'm not doing my part. But the other side of that is, you know, we can't spend all our time harping on what may happen or what challenges need to be met now and how can, how do we handle this and where do we go now? And sometimes you just got to relax and have fun and enjoy it, right? I mean, I hope I'm not alone in thinking that. So these are the internal battles I have sometimes, but I realize that now we are in a place in our journey where I need to... Um, you know, step aside or step in, actually, not step aside, step in for the moment and acknowledge that I'm a bit out of my realm in this area. And it's time to start reading and learning and asking questions and really trying to understand how my daughter and how her brain may be working differently. So Brea loves to play with other children. She loves to be a part of what they're doing. She wants to be involved and included and wanted, just like the rest of us. And she often is, I think, from what I see. But I also see that she really has a hard time kind of entering into the fray, as it were. I think that she does well in supervised, structured settings where... All of the kids are included by an adult helping them all come in. But when it's just the kids are left to, you know, be kids and run and play and figure it out, I guess. uh, I think that she has a really, she has a difficult time with that. And I'm just coming to understand that. And some of the ways that this manifests is... You know, I will see her standing off to the side and just watching the kids. And, you know, sometimes she's got a smile on her face. You know, she seems to enjoy watching them, but I know that she would have more fun being in the middle of it. Sometimes she just goes off and plays by herself or hangs out with the adults. And she seems content to do all of that, except that... Uh, one night at the festival, and this is an example, this isn't the first time that this has happened, but an example of, you know, we all had our wagons because we were kind of roaming the festival late. You know, we were camping on site, um, but the music goes a little late. So we all bring our wagons. We put our kids in their jammies and tuck them into the wagon. And so we can all be out listening to music and they're safe and secure in their little, in their little bed. So Freya crawled into her wagon and I went over there to check on her and she was crying and I asked her what was wrong. And she said that her friends, including her sister, were not playing with her. And, you know, she fell asleep shortly after that. I mean, I kind of rubbed her and, you know, kind of talked her through it and she fell asleep. So she granted she was a little tired and I don't think that's what was really happening. I mean, I don't think that they were intentionally excluding her, but I think that at this age, especially, you know, she's six and a half. And I think when they're young and they're, they're full of energy and they're running around, it's not, they don't have the, 
the mindset to be like, oh, we should stop and make sure that this person feels included or make sure that this person knows how to get into this game. It's kind of a free-for-all. Like, you just keep up, jump in, run around, keep up, you know, grab some glow sticks, grab a hula hoop, let's go. And I think that those situations are hard for Freya. So, yeah, so even though I don't think that's what was happening, that was her perception of it, and that made me really sad. And one of the other things that she does, one one of the ways that I have seen her attempt to get in on the play is by going in and taking away what the kids are playing with. And in my limited knowledge of child development, I don't know, I think I see that as like kind of this developmental delay, like that's more of an immature, something a younger kid would do. And it's her way of saying that she wants to play, she wants to be involved, but she doesn't know how, so she's just going to take it to be sure that she gets the attention that she needs. This is all my assumption. This is what I'm, this is what I'm seeing when I'm trying to figure out what I'm trying to understand. And while I understand why she does it, I know that it's so frustrating for the other kids and they don't like it. And then of course they don't want to play with her and it starts a cycle. And I have flailed a bit on my end or a lot. I don't know. Um, I need to teach Freya how to enter into these situations. So this is something that I'm coming to realize. And you know, another thing that she does that I see, she'll kind of be off by herself, but she does, she talks to, I, I don't know, not to herself, but like she's talking to a friend and she's animated and talking and making faces and maybe there's a paranormal element to it. Maybe it's a desperation on her part to have a friend. I don't know. Or maybe it's just a normal kid thing. So another one of the aspects of this is that Rona, her little sister, is able to keep up with these kids and can even initiate some of these games and and I just wonder sometimes how much this affects Freya, that her little sister can hang with her peers when she possibly can't. And while I would love for Rona to choose her sister over these other kids, and some, sometimes she does. You know, I do see Rona and Freya walking around and playing their own little game sometimes when there's other kids around, but usually Rona is happy to just jump in there with the other kids and Freya does get kind of left behind. And I, I don't blame Rona for that. She's five and she doesn't have the, the, the consciousness or the mindset, the maturity or, or the responsibility to make sure that Freya is included. But that's something that I would like to to work on and to nurture is this the bond between them because they they do fight a lot they're at that age they share a room they're very close in age they do fight a lot and I also need to be better at helping them negotiate those battles that they have because it's they're so sweet together when they're sweet when they're playing together it's very sweet but there's so much frustration right now and I know that I need to come in and be a better role model, be a better guide for navigating all of this. So that begins with, I believe, really, I got to go deep into this and I need to understand Freya and how her brain functions and perceives things. 
I also need to learn how to help her integrate into these groups of kids, how she can interact with them in positive ways. And I would also like to help not only Rona, but also uh, Haven, my oldest daughter. I want to help them understand how Freya functions so that their interactions, they can be more patient and more inclusive with her. So I have quite a job ahead of me. There is so much to learn and to figure out. Thankfully, and I've said this before, thankfully Freya's diagnosis of Prader-Willi syndrome is one that has a lot of information and a big community. There's a lot of families on Facebook and there's organizations with websites that, that offer all this information. So when I started doing research the other day, not just to talk about it on the podcast, but just because I was feeling really kind of lost and realizing that I was just, I was out of my, I was out of my depth, you know? So I got, um, on the Prada Willie syndrome association website and I started doing some research and they made it really easy. And I found some information that is yes, daunting and overwhelming. I also felt a sense of empowerment and hope by even gaining just a little bit more understanding. So, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. I feel like I'm floundering most of the time these days (laughs) and that I'm not doing the best that I could for Freya, that there are so many distractions and I'm allowing those to get in the way of really focusing on what it is I need to be learning and doing and helping Freya with. But at least now I have an idea of how to move forward and ideas that I can help, that I can use to better help her. So, and I have access to this knowledge. So I've, I've printed up a bunch of stuff and you basically just realize that it doesn't do well. And we all know this. You can't just stick your head in the sand and hope for the best because that rarely ends well. You need to be the navigator of your own experience and your children. You need to be the navigator of their lives. And so I would encourage any parent or caregiver out there struggling with any of these issues uh I would encourage you to do some research and learn more about the fundamentals of your child's disorder or diagnosis and tools to approach, to approach these difficulties. I realize that it's not as easy for some, because like I've said before, I feel blessed that there is so much known about PWS, but information is out there. And even if it's not information specific to your child's diagnosis, I think there are a lot of There are a lot of similarities, especially when there's some intellectual disabilities or developmental delays, I think, you know, can manifest in similar ways a lot. So I'm going to go through a little bit about what I, what I read. I don't think uh, these issues or these behaviors are at all specific to PWS. And I hope, I hope that by sharing this information, it can serve not only as as helpful for people, not only, hmm, I'm trying this again, I hope that it serves not only people like Freya, or people who are caretaking for people like Freya with Prader-Willi syndrome, but can also add insight into others' journeys, your own journey, how you and your children move and think in the world, 
and maybe some tools to help. So I got this off the pwsausa.org website, and I looked up behavior issues. And so it talks about what people with PWS struggle with. They struggle with cognitive challenges, which means that one of the things is that they're better with concrete concepts rather than abstract. So you say, you can't just say, hop to it. You have to say, it's time to leave, go put on your shoes. And you have to kind of walk them through each step. But you can't use these like kind of flowery language. You got to be clear. Another thing that they struggle with is sensory integration. And the new term that they're using is sensory processing disorder. And that is a neurological disorder characterized by a neurological sensory integration deficit. I don't know how to explain that really. That one I'm still trying to understand, but it says that to help with this, you got to learn activities to help your child integrate their emotions and be calmer. So maybe it is this inability to take in all of these outside um, sounds and lights and, and feelings and, and everything and that it's hard for them to process all of it. Maybe they also struggle with slower processing speed. And this is a big one. This one I see all the time. And I've tried to explain this to people. And I think it's, it's one of the more important ones to understand. So like, for instance, Freya needs three to five seconds to understand what is being said. It takes that much longer to really process what's being said. And sometimes I don't see it all the time. I mean, sometimes she seems to be in the flow of things and maybe if there's a story or, you know, she can follow along. She's totally fine there. But other times I can see, and I don't know if it's maybe when she's tired or when it kind of comes out of the blue, it's not in context, but, you know, asking her a question or giving her directions, it really does. I can really see it. It's sometimes it's comical. You know, you can watch it and you say something and you can watch it kind of tick, 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 tick. And then there's this recognition on her face and then she'll reply or she'll go follow the direction. And so it's, you know, so that's, I think a really crucial one to remember. And that's one that I try and spread the word on, you know, because it can seem like rudeness or misbehavior. I know my oldest daughter has gotten frustrated before about that. You know, why doesn't she tell you, why doesn't she do what you tell her to do? Or why doesn't she do what I tell her to do? And I've tried to explain to her, you have to give her time. You have to slow it down. Yes. The other thing is you need to break your request down into smaller steps. So rather than just say, you you can't just say, all right, go brush your teeth, get your jammies on, get in bed. You know, you have to kind of break it down step by step. That's what they suggest. And this is a big one, increased anxiety. And actually what they say is that people with PWS typically feel high levels of anxiety all the time. That is a big one. That is a really big one, Uh, especially, you know, anxiety, I assume, you know, that can be brought on by the, the sensory integration disorder definitely anxiety around food. That's such a huge one because they are, as they get older and more into the, the hyperphagia, they are 
getting more obsessed with food, with food and when's the next meal coming from and what am I going to have? And there's a lot of questions around that. And there is a lot of, uh, you know, it just creates a lot of anxiety. And I think so much of what they're experiencing can create anxiety. And it, I am someone who has suffered from anxiety a lot in my life. And I know how debilitating it can be. I know how just overwhelming it can be. So that one really struck me and I can look back. So one of the ways, so the ways that this manifests the anxiety is maladaptive, unwanted behaviors, which are often attempts to reduce the level of anxiety. So these are like skin picking, which she does. She doesn't like pick at her skin, but you know, if she gets a bug bite or something, she like, then she'll pick at it. She doesn't just like pick a spot anywhere and start going at it. But it's, you know, if there's bug bites or kind of the skin around her nails, she's been doing that. Repeated questions. That happens a lot. Uh, excessive talking. Sometimes she does that. And then controlling oppositional and argumentative behavior. Yes, I see that for sure. And that makes me crazy. Oh, but now as I was reading this, I was just kind of feeling crappier and crappier. Like, oh my God, this behavior, you know, these behaviors that I've been getting frustrated with lately and, you know, scolding her for are coming from this place of anxiety. That is, that made me sad. And that made me feel like I was not definitely not doing a good job as a parent. So that is a, that's a really important one to remember. And that's one that I am keeping in the forefront of my mind now that she is probably experiencing a lot more anxiety than I even realized. She's so mellow and sweet. It's hard to imagine that she's, it's hard to think of this as, as anxiety, but, and you know, you look at the skin around her nails and, and she does get upset pretty easily now. Or maybe not easily, but, you know, when she does, you know she's upset. And it's hard to calm her down. I've been trying to teach her to take deep breaths, count, you know, let's count to ten. And, yeah, so I'm just getting a brief, you know, I'm just getting into it. I'm just getting into the beginning of this. A few more things that they have challenges with, that they struggle with, are rigid thoughts. And these rigid thoughts lead to inflexible behavior, which I think kind of makes sense, but I can't really explain. Like, it makes sense in my mind, but if I were to sit here and try and explain it, I'm sure I would do a bad job. So either you guys know what that means, or you can go look it up. I mean, I've ex- I know that I've experienced both of those with Freya, which I think also probably stems from the anxiety. But one of the things that they said in this was that remember we can't change the brain of our loved one with PWS but we can change our own behavior which does change the behavior of our loved one with PWS so basically that's what they're saying that's how you that's how we have to approach this is it's not about changing her behavior because we said so which is honestly, in a way, kind of how we parent. (laughs) My husband and I, you know, like we are, we're very loving parents, but we're also, we have certain expectations for our children. And 
as I've said before, we're both raised by East Coast parents. So there's perhaps some rigid thinking on our own part. And that's something that we have to work on, maybe, because that was one of the, they say one of the clear rules is that parents need to be the top dog. They're not, we're not here to, we can't just be friends and give in and we have to definitely be the top dog, but they clarify, they say the, the, this is what they say, quote, the best parental match for a person with PWS is someone who is an authority figure without being authoritarian. That one I need to let sink in. I mean, I wouldn't say that we're totally authoritarian, but, you know, they also suggest that, you know, sticker charts for good behavior are one of the best ways to handle this situation. And honestly, I, and that's where I get a little stuck because I think that why do you get a sticker for good behavior when you should just be acting right because you're a human and you're a person and this family and there are certain ways that you are supposed to behave and I shouldn't have to reward you for behaving that way. I feel the same way about allowances or paying for chores and maybe I'm just old school or I'm a hard ass. I don't know, but I'm not going to pay my daughter to empty the dishwasher or to take out the trash because she lives in this house. She's a part of this family. We all have our chores you do your chore. So anyway, that's kind of, (laughs) that's how I feel. And yeah, so I feel like what I'm being called to do is partly is to really rethink that aspect of my parenting or the understanding that, that my expectations need to shift a little bit or that I need to help guide the good behavior with Freya a little differently. And I need to be okay with that because, because the way her brain is wired is different than the way my brain is wired. Well, maybe that's not it, but that I have, I have to be the one to shift my thinking because she possibly can't, at least not at six and a half. You know, there's a lot, I'm sure when she's older, maybe you can have a better discussion and, and get somewhere differently. But for now, I have, like I said, I have a huge task ahead of me and I'm, it's a lifelong learning, skill adapting, skill acquiring road that we're all on. So I'm going to leave it at this for now because there is so much more to say on the subject, but uh, I like to keep these solo episodes on the shorter side. Uh, for one, because I imagine it gets old and difficult listening to me ramble on, but also because I have so much more to learn about this myself. And I'm kind of at the point where I don't, I don't have anything else to say on it, but this is what I see that I need to learn and to work on and to understand. And I thankfully have access to this information to educate myself and to move forward and to help my family understand better so that we can all create a a more peaceful environment. (laughs) So if you have any questions, any advice, any wisdom, any anecdotes to share, you can join the Facebook group Walking with Freya, or you can email me at walkingwithfreya at gmail.com. And I 
will happily share them on the podcast. You don't have to come on to tell your story. You can, you know, send me an email and I can, I could start a whole section of maybe where I read emails on here about people's advice or tips that work for them. So if you're, if that's something that you feel like you would love to share, definitely email me because we'd love to hear it all. So I hope that everyone is having a wonderful, low stress summer, having a great time with their family, with their friends, maybe getting some relaxing time. If not, I hope that it's in your future. (laughs) And I'll just say thanks for being here. I want to ask a favor. Are you finding these stories helpful? Are you finding comfort in knowing that you are not alone on your journey? That we all experience frustrations and grief and confusion along with the joys and the laughter and the smiles? Can you help me spread the word so that others can be a part of this community we are creating? So they too can have the opportunity to find acceptance inspiration, comfort, and connection through these stories. In your community, your special needs community, can you share this podcast? Is there an episode that really speaks to you or perhaps discusses an issue you know a friend or peer is grappling with? Send them the link to the episode. Tell them how to find it. I am sharing the word on Instagram and Facebook and in my special needs community, but I need your help also. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast. It's one press of a button, and that will be sure that you get the newest episodes as they come out, along with getting this podcast higher on the charts. Please rate the podcast and leave a review. This also helps get the podcast noticed by more people, some of whom may really need to hear these stories. And also remember that if you would like to share your story, you can email me at walkingwithfreya at gmail.com. Get in touch with me. Let me know that you want to share it, and we will figure out how we can do that. I really and truly believe in what it is that I am doing here. I know what benefits can come from sharing our stories, our own reflection, a deeper understanding of our journey, an acceptance, a newfound hope, movement through the grief, connections, and compassion. All of these are such positive aspects that we gain when we share our stories and we listen to others share theirs and we become a part of this community. So thank you for your help in getting this podcast out into the world. Thank you for listening to my story. Thank you for sharing your story. And thanks for being a part of this special needs community because we all need each other. Thanks for being here.